welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dean, joined by my lovely Stranger Things fan and wonderful girlfriend, Miss Boo. Miss Boo, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dean? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, really missing uh, talking about some fun movies, and this week is one of my picks. It is one of your picks this week. Yes, we're going to be talking about the 1974 horror film and i guess proto slasher film black christmas well you're also forgetting to mention to the fans you know it is the first week of december so this is starting our scary christmas month oh that is right yeah for the whole month of december we're going to be working on the theme of a spooky scary christmas because who doesn't love a spooky scary christmas that's true i believe that is boo's favorite genre is spooky scary christmas movies not favorite genre. Mostly spooky. It's up there, you know. You're, you're, yeah. you're a fan of, you know, the spooky, you know, holiday films. Yeah, of course. You just like spooky stuff. I do. Yeah. I, I live in it. Um, so, uh, this movie is Black Christmas. It came out in 74. This was the... This was a huge inspiration for John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, originally, John Carpenter wanted to make a Black Christmas sequel... But once he started writing it, he found that he could basically have it stand alone. And then he made Halloween, and that's how we got Michael Myers. So this film is directly responsible for giving us one of, if not the most iconic slasher villain of all time. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Is there any fun stuff you found out about the movie before we get into said movie? There's a lot of fun facts that I found out about, but I think we should sprinkle them in throughout the episode. Just a little, little sprinkling? A little salt bait. A little salt bait? Yeah. Alright. So, you should start off. Uh, I'll ask you, when was the first time you saw Black Christmas? Oh, God. Um, I think I saw Black Christmas for the first time... Probably... Six years ago? Something like that. So it's been in your life for a while. A little bit, a little bit. I saw it out. Of, I saw it after I got out of high school. I know that much. Okay. Um, I actually saw the remake first of mm-hmm. Black Christmas, the one in two thousand six, I think. Yeah. Uh, which was a different movie, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out I was like, oh, it was a remake, and I was like, oh, that movie's kind of good. And then I watched the the original, and I was like, oh, this is actually like a really interesting and kind of weird horror mm-hmm. film because everybody qualifies it as like one of the first slasher films yeah or like one of the first ones that laid down the groundwork of how slashers work mm-hmm. um but yeah uh what about you boo have you seen this before heard anything about it because it, you know, it's a kind of a famous title yeah i've never seen it before i've heard about it i know it's a cult classic i know it's kind of like rocky horror and all these other movies where they have you know this dedicated cult following to it but this was my first time seeing it. I've never seen the remake. I've heard not too many great things about the remake, which kind of kept me at bay. But this was pretty good. So, that's kind of an interesting thing about this movie, is I think it's actually been remade twice mm-hmm. since its original uh, form. And But the original is very unique because it doesn't play like a traditional, like those two try and play it because the remakes try and play it as a traditional slasher yeah and the original doesn't really work like that right no it's more psychological kind of a 
kind of dinner theater, you know, where you're trying to figure out who's the killer. It's almost a bit like Clue, you know, you see the killer killing people, but you're just not sure who exactly it is. You're sitting there speculating the entire time. So it was Billy with the meat hook in the attic. No, obviously it was Professor Plum with the candlestick in the library. Ah, oh, obviously. Ah, oh, my notes are all wrong. Uh, man, I can't wait for us to do Clue on this show. Me either. I love that movie. It's a really fun movie. But uh, that's kind of an interesting way to describe this movie. Dinner theater, like, filmmaking. Because it, it's very much... It, it Like, most of the movie takes place in a sorority house, right? Like, a huge chunk of it. And then we have two or three other sets we have the university we have the park where they're looking for the the little girl and we also have the police station so it's about four different locations but they all surround the sorority house which actually the location of the sorority house is actually a house it's not a set Mm -hmm. you know it was actually filmed in toronto canada so the house is a real place even the interiors were shot within this house, so I thought it was cool when I was doing my research that some of their scenes that they wrote for the movie, they had to rewrite them to go with the way that the house was laid out. They just figured, you know, realistically we can't do this without probably knocking down a wall, so let's rewrite it so we can work this room in to the film. Oh yeah. It's also kind of funny you mentioned this takes place in Canada because they really try and sell it as like every town usa but there's a few actors who are really talking like they're from canada eh? and also you know the the snow and the cold it's like yeah that's not here that's got to be canada oh yeah i think the the funniest tell was um i think it's one it's the missing girl's boyfriend i think and they're like well who are you it's like oh yeah i'm i'm the guy who's taking her out like he just says it with like the biggest Canadian accent. It's the only time his accent slips, and it's but it's it slips hard, and it's I don't you, know. It gets a laugh out of me you, every time. You can't break those oots. You can't break those oots. I mean, I'm Canadian, and once in a while it'll slip out. Once in a while, you'll you'll drop the the boots. You know, you want to go out sometime. Well, wait, wait, but you you're also Hispanic. Does the Canadian accent come out when you speak Spanish? No. Are you sure? I'm very sure. Oh, all right, all right. I'm a mutt. I know these things. Uh, I don't. I don't know enough Spanish to make a, a Canadian Spanish joke right now. But if I did, I would be canceled. It would. But, all, you know. It would be a dad joke. So oh, that's why. That's why you get canceled. Uh, so, but let's uh, you know kind of get into the into the movie. So it starts with a kind of an iconic opening because this is. I think the first time we have the POV killer, mm-hmm. right? Because I know in Hitchcock, Psycho, which is considered the first slasher film, like, like the I guess the first slasher films are like Psycho, Peeping Tom, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and this. Yeah. Um, and Peeping Tom did it, but it was through like a framing device of the camera. With Black Christmas, we never see the killer, but we see him through his POV. Mm-hmm. And... It opens, he's going up into the house, he, like, sneaks into the attic, and then he's kind of, you know, sneaking around the house. Which is so unsettling. Oh, it's super unsettling, because we see, because he sees Margot Kidder on the phone at the bottom of the stairs, and she's just, you know, already a couple of drinks in, and she's so unaware. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cast in this movie is great, by the way. We have Margot Kidder, we have Lois Lane. There's a lot of heavy hitters in this movie. Oh, yeah. 
which is um really weird because this is um I, I can't imagine this was a uh, a film that if you had a name wanted to be attached to so I wonder if this was like early in a lot of people's careers I think so I mean you have Olivia Hussey as Jess mm-hmm. and I mean she was already a big star because she was in Romeo and Juliet and a lot of other movies but I think this was probably a, a launching pad for most of them. You know, they'd been in stuff, but this was like the one step to get them to I mean, stardom. Here, Dula, he was in uh, 2001, 2001, a space odyssey. Yeah, did yeah. not recognize him with the hair. Oh my god, it's so weird, right? I kept doing double takes, and I'm like, I think that's him. I'm like, is that Dave? Yeah, it was Dave. Dave has the thickest set of 70s um, mop top, and it's. Very weird. I will, I'll let you know. That's going to be the thing that will take you out of the movie. And you'd think, you know, going into the abyss in 2001 would set him off, but no, this movie. You see more of a reaction. He goes nuts. That's good. So uh, where do you kind of want to want to go in with this? Because I think if we go like chronologically, it gets a little muddled because um, I guess surprise about the boost feelings of this film Boo thinks this is an incredibly slow movie. It felt like it went very slow. I mean, you, you get the, the panning in the beginning of the killer crossing the yard, climbing up the trellis to get into the attic, which is, you know, it adds to the creep factor of, you know, no one noticing this guy crawling up the side of your house and getting into your house. Mm-hmm. But the movie just kind of moved a little too slow to me. Obviously, you have the killings in there, which, you know are disturbing, you know, with, like, Mrs. Mack that takes the the hook to the neck. Which Uh, is really brutal. Very brutal deaths, but the rest of the movie, it just kind of, it didn't feel like there was a lot of, what would be the right word to describe it? Action. Action. uh, I'm still kind of trying to grab the, the right word for it. Well, what do you think was missing from the movie? Because it, it has a very slow pace, but there is setup, there is payoff, but I, I think there's also a, a point taken where it shows consequence, right? Because we see the, what's the, what's the name of the dead girl that dies at the beginning? What's her name? Uh, Claire. Claire. We see Claire's father, and he's searching for his, his daughter, and you know, that's why he comes to town. And it's weird because we see the consequences of these killings, which we don't see. We never see the parents in a Friday the 13th movie. No, and I think what was really getting to me now that I found the word, there wasn't a lot of urgency in this movie. Claire goes missing. Her dad's kind of, you know, going back and forth, you know, well, I haven't seen her, but she hangs out here. Oh, well, she's not here. She's probably over there. And, you know, obviously he is concerned about his daughter, but it's... There's never the, like this urgent look in his face, like, you know, really, where is she? It's more kind of like, all right, let me go over here and see if she's over here. No, if she's not here, let me see if I could pick her up from over there. And even with the cops, you know, there's a girl missing. They have this huge house, and she's in the attic the whole time. No one thought to check the attic. It's like, wouldn't you want to sweep the house? That's the, one of the biggest things that, like, kind of get drives me crazy is yeah. no one checks the attic. Which I can kind of see where it's like, oh, we don't know where Claire is, and everybody's like, oh, she probably... Because I think she was packing to go off somewhere, right? Yeah, she was packing to go home with her family. But, you know, just as... I mean, I don't know if cops in the 70s didn't, you know, when they sweep houses, didn't check every room or the attic or the basement. 
Oh, they were too busy doing a disco coke, you know, just partying hard in the 70s. No, I mean, just, you know, kind of peep in the room. Oh, okay, everything looks normal. I, you know, I'd be, you know, combing the house, you know, okay, where does this door go to? What does this do? It's just like, she was right there the whole time. It just drove me crazy. I, I, all I kept thinking was, please, like, let me go and I'll check the attic for you. Like, Well, I, I think the thing is because the girls, the sorority girls in the movie, they're adamant that she's not there. Like, they haven't seen her. They, have, they don't know where she is. So I can see why the cops would assume that she's not in the house because it's, you know, there's, yeah. how, there's how many sorority girls there? Like, seven, eight? I think so. And none of them saw her after that night. And they're like, oh, she might have just ran off with a boyfriend or whatever. We have no idea. So it would make sense why they wouldn't sweep the house. But it it is a thing where it gets later in the movie. And it's like, well, why is... So so you know there's somebody in the house, you know. Why aren't you sweeping said house? But that granted, that's after the climax of the movie. Yeah, and you think after that they would do more of, you know, an investigation where they'd be searching the entire house for clues... You know, since this person has probably been living in the house for however long this takes a period of, it's, what, like, two days? That's actually a good question, because I can never figure that out. Because I know it takes place over a course We of, have We have the first night. Yeah, we have the first night. And then the next day is when Clara's supposed to go home with her family. And her dad shows up. And, and then... And then we have that second night where we hit the climax and everything goes nuts. So I think it's probably the period of like 24 hours i don't know because i th- i want to say it's like three days but i might be charitable because we have the thing where it's peter having his like piano recital right but that's in the evening oh that isn't the e- i guess it could be over the course of like a day because yeah, i think a t- that's a tight day yeah because i think that's the only time we see daylight is when we go to the university and her father's and Claire's father is looking for her, and when Jess goes to talk to Peter about her pregnancy, and I think that's it. Actually, that's a okay. So that's uh, something we should probably tell people about. Or yeah. Warning. So hashtag trigger warning about this movie because there is a very um, significant plot point that mm-hmm. will in fact make some people very uncomfortable. So you have been warned. So do you want to talk about Jess's uh, pregnancy and what she's planning to do? We find out that Jess is pregnant with Peter. We don't really know too much about Peter, just that that's her boyfriend. He's a piano or music major. He plays piano. He wants to get into like this big concert thing. And and she, she's labeled him an artist mm-hmm. because the other girls have their opinions on Peter. And every time they come to her about it, it's just he's an artist. This is the way artists are. Which means that he's a a little volatile, you know, it's like, not all artists are like that. I think Peter is probably just, you know, a little high strung, which we see. Yes, I had to make that joke. I like that joke. You're welcome. Which we'll see later in the movie. But uh, she's, you could tell the conflict in her face that she doesn't really want to be with Peter. She just kind of feels stuck and after finding out she's pregnant... She feels like it's the right thing to do to go to him and say, hey, I'm pregnant. Um, I don't want to have this baby. I just wanted to let you know. And Peter loses it. He says that it, he's 
equally as part of this and he's not going to let her kill this child you know the crazy thing about this this movie came out a year after the roe v wade decision so this was a super hot button mm-hmm. topic because um, she straight up says she's like i'm gonna go have an abortion yeah and that's one of those things where it's like wait i thought this was just supposed to be like a a fun like slasher flick and i'm like wait there's like human drama there's mm-hmm. some like kind of uncomfortable stuff going on and then that's a thing because even in 2020 abortion isn't a uh a easy subject to no. bring up in popular culture it's not yeah um and again that's why we threw the trigger warning out there but yeah so but it is kind of interesting because it does a an interpersonal drama to the characters and that's kind of weird so well like you watched a bunch of the friday the 13th movies uh coinciding with this correct yes i did which uh by the way i'm very happy about i can't wait to talk more about friday the 13th you're welcome that that'll be one of your christmas gifts i love you so much i know so in but in the friday the 13th movies did you have this level of depth with the characters no in those? no they were all disposable all paper thin like you had one character you knew a little bit about and that's about it yeah and even then it was you know tiny fragments of information that you know about this character not not like with jess where you get more depth about her which I kind of liked because it, it makes the story more real. Not like with Friday the 13th. You're just there to see how Jason's going to kill people in different cool ways. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a, a pretty good um, call about Friday the 13th. Well, about all slasher movies. You're not there to see, you know, the, the stars of the movie. You're there to see the slasher. That is the star of the movie. And it's, okay, what cool kill is he going to make? this round what's going to be like the the highlight kill of the movie i think i honestly think that's why black christmas feels so slow and so different i yeah, think that c- might be the the issue you had with the movie because it's an old style it's so like proto slasher it's so early on in its development where it still thinks it's a um it's still trying to be a drama with a killer underneath it and then it's like i mean i i love psycho psycho is like one of my all-time favorite movies it starts off a little slow too we we learn about marion and uh the the events that lead her to the bates motel and Mm. once we get there then we finally start to get some of the kills i don't know with this one it just felt like we really kind of dragged even though claire's death was five minutes into the movie five or ten minutes into the movie but after that we we just get a lot of talking and the search for claire a lot of mystery a lot Mm -hmm. of like wait is the killer somebody we know and then it's like a build-up and a kind of a red herring thing yeah that's why it didn't feel so much like a slasher film it felt more like a mystery trying to figure out who's the killer and why are they doing this well i think that's a thing because you know I'm, i'm gonna keep harping on this because it's it's you know the one analysis I pulled from this movie that I'm like that that actually kind of helps me um, look at this movie in a way I think works is that it's made in a way where it was much slower because we stick with the characters for so long we in like a Friday Thirteenth movie it's a kill every like you know ten minutes on the dot once Jason shows up in this there's how many people die in this movie. Oh, we have Claire, 
We have Mrs. Mack that runs the sorority house. Yeah, like the Den Mother or whatever. Actually, I don't... Because Den Mother is like the Girl Scouts, right? I think Den Mother is Boy Scouts. Okay, but the Den Mother and then who... What would you call her then, Mrs. Mack? Well, I think that's probably like her title. Like for the school, she stays in the house with the girls. So if there's a problem, there's an adult there to keep supervision over them. Granted, I don't know if I want Mrs. Mack as my supervisor because she's I, a lush. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe all the places she was hiding the booze. And every time we saw her, she was just taking a swig. I was like, damn, lady, you put can, the bottle down. This woman cannot come back. I want to party with Mrs. Mack. Let's see. She had her toilet booze. She did have her toilet booze. We had the book booze. Oh, where she did she hollowed out a Bible or Homer's The Odyssey? This was a thick book. It was a thick book, but I didn't see the title on the book. All I know is it was thick enough to hold a full, a full flask of whiskey. Mm-hmm. It was a big flask. But I mean, just about everywhere in the house, she had stashed booze. Yeah. I was like, that woman can drink, and you would have thought the hollow leg would kill her, but it was a hook to the neck. Well, you know. So, so we have Claire, Mrs. Mrs. Mac, Mac. Um, Barb. Yes, yes. Barb gets got... Phil. Or do you mean Peter? Phyllis. Oh, yeah, yeah, never mind. Yeah, Phyllis. Uh, Peter. I think uh, that's it. It's only like five people. The little girl that they find in the park. Yeah, but we never see her die. I don't think we see her body. We just get the information <laughs> she's dead. We get the reaction. Also, cool, cool little fact about that scene... You know how, you know, the search party goes into the night to look for this little girl in the park and they find her and it's tragic. They actually, well, they, they shot the movie in Quebec or somewhere, or Toronto, Canada, somewhere over there. Yeah, eh? Eh. And during those scenes, it was 10 degrees outside. You just think about those poor extras that are out there. Have you ever been in, like, a single-digit weather boom? I've only been in about 20, 19 degrees. I've, I've been in uh, the fives and ones degrees. It's terrible, especially if there's wind like it is mm-hmm. in this movie. You feel like death. And that's why just watching them in the movie, it's like, you guys are freezing to death. There's no acting. It's just, you feel so bad for them being out there. Well, granted, they're Canadian. They're made of the sterner stuff. For the uh, cold, I, I mean, I, I think most of the cast, you know, apart from, like, Jess... They're, you know, for the most part, Americans. And we get, you know, cold winters over here. But, damn, I would not want to be out in 10-degree weather. Just, you know, okay, we got to run that scene again. Let's do it. Just like, mm-mm. No I thanks. But, um, yeah. So, by that number, we have six dead people in this movie. There's, there's a body count of about six. And the movie is about 90 minutes long. And when you think about it, it's like, oh, in, like... Again, I'm going to keep going back to Friday the 13th because it's in my head. And because right you love Friday the 13th. They're very good. They're very good in terms of, like, you know, the, the archetype of the slasher genre. But in those, you get, there's, like, six to eight kids or whatever, and you get a kill every, basically, once you get to the second act, you can al- you can almost time it. A kill about every 10 minutes or 10 to 15 minutes until the climax. In this, we go, we have a kill in the beginning, and then it's, nothing for like 40 minutes well yeah because they have to relay the same information over and over about the the tragedy that happened at crystal lake so we go through all these memories and the lore and then we jump into the killing so that's like the perfect time to you know go grab a snack 
I'm know, talking about Black Christmas because we have I'm talking Christmas. about Friday the Thirteenth, where you know we get into the lore and it's like, all right, well, while they're rehashing the past, I'm gonna go grab some Cheez-Its or some chips, and I'll be back once Jason's back on, you know, hacking people away. Uh, you just really like to see people get hacked away. I mean, for movie purposes, it's entertaining. Here we are now. Entertain us. That's right. Yes. R.I.P. Well, Kurt Cobain. Well, that's like just a just a thing where in in Black Christmas because we have the one kill at the very beginning, mm-hmm. and then it's like we have forty five minutes of nothing. Right? Yeah. I don't think we get a, another kill until like about the midpoint of the movie, mm-hmm. and then it stacks up like whole five of those yeah within the next 20 minutes after that like it's just, just like we're okay. up to our necks and bodies yeah after that we're up to our necks and bodies and then it gets to the climax but like boo why don't you just run down like the a quick summary of the plot because i think i think i'm trying to i'm thinking i'm getting off track and we just really need to rail it in with just like a plot summary well i mean the the plot of the film is you know we have people going home for the holidays we have jess struggling with this you know I'm going to do this for me. I'm not going to do this for you, even though Peter keeps saying, you know, we're going to get married. You will be my wife. You could have whatever freedom you want after that. But yeah, we're... like, I want the kid. I want, yeah. You know, the family. And yeah. he's not thinking about what she wants. And he's already stressed with this recital. I don't, I'm not sure if he's supposed to get into maybe like a school like Juilliard somewhere where they, they focus more on, you know, music and entertainment because I think I might have missed that part, why this performance was so important to him. And I think it's a thing where he is trying to finish his schooling, and this is, like, the final, like, show of, oh, you, he composed this, you know, grand uh, piano piece or whatever, and it's supposed to, like, display his work, but he can't focus because of... Speaking of that just... composition... That was a hot mess. I I was trying to sit there and think like, oh, this, you know, this might sound beautiful. I was just like, yeah, I could probably go down to my my piano and run my fingers across it and sound familiar or something similar to that. Because it's just like, I guess, you know, maybe he was stuck in that moment of this is happening in my life. You know, my girlfriend's doing this and this is just what's manifesting. Oh, that's what's implied because like we have that scene after they have their their talk and everything like that, and then everything after that, Peter calls, and he's just distraught and all this other stuff. I feel that what happened is they had that conversation. It threw him off his game. You know, he'd been practicing and building up this, you know, grand, uh, you know, musical composition. He goes and tries to play it, and he just can't focus, and he's like, and it's like, you know, he's confused. He's playing, like, three different songs at the same time, and he just can't, like, focus. And what we get in the beginning of the movie when Jess first talks to him on the phone is, he tells her that he hasn't slept in like three nights because he's been practicing nonstop. So I think this adds to his manic behavior in the movie because he hasn't really slept. He's, you know, worried about this recital. Now he's got this pregnancy looming over his head and he just kind of turns into a crazy person. And I think it's just sleep deprivation. Yeah. And I think that's another point the movie's trying to do because it feels like they're trying to set up Peter as mm-hmm. the killer and they're trying to set it up. Hard. They're really setting him up to be the bad guy. You know, we have him losing it one moment, and suddenly she's on the phone with the cops, and he just kind of springs up behind her, and it's like, you know, well, who lets you in the house if no one's home? But it's like, 
Peter has been dating her for who knows how long, so he probably felt comfortable enough to just open the door, come in, go to her room, yeah. take a nap. But that's what they're trying to convey, you know. Are, were you really here for a nap, or have you really been here, you know, slipping in and out, murdering the girls and the, the house mother? Yeah, and so that's that's a lot of the that's a lot of the plot of this movie. It's <laughs> basically the whole second act. It's who done it? Yeah, it's a who done it, mm -hmm. and we don't really have a whole lot of people to go on. Basically, it's like oh, Peter, he has the same haircut as Billy. He has basically the same build, all this other yeah. stuff, yada yada yada, and. You know, Jess is like, oh, my friends are dying. She finally finds out what happened to them. She freaks out. Yep. She uh, is chased by Billy. Because we keep calling him Billy because that's what the killer calls himself over the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and he gets chased. And she um, gets chased by Billy into the basement. She locks herself in. And then she sees... Um, Peter on the other side of the, the glass window. Yeah, that leads in from the outside into the basement. And then he gets in and he's like... Don't worry, Jess. Everything's going to be safe. And she, like the audience is supposed to believe, thinks that Peter is the killer. And this is about the time the police show up. To screams. To screams. And they find that Jess has beaten Billy to death with a fire poker? Is that what's supposed to happen? I think so. Maybe She might have stabbed him. I I'd have to rewatch it to see if, you know, maybe there's some puncture wounds. Because it's like, man, you'd have to hit him over the head. A lot of times to kill him with a fire poker. Um, maybe not. I mean, that's a '70s fire poker. They made those things out of out of out of real metal. True. But in granted, you know, uh, no offense to Kier Dula, but he ain't exactly built like a linebacker in this movie. If she whacked him, you know, upside ahead, he'd, he'd go down. You know, his whole filming of this movie, he was only there for a week. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I was like, man, you just show up for a week and, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Well, I mean, he, he only had, he's only in, like, four or five scenes, maybe? I believe so. Yeah, and that was only across two locations. And then I read somewhere that he took the movie because I guess it was near where his parents lived, so he wanted to go home and visit his family, so it's kind of like, hey, I'm back for the week. All right, I finished work. Gotta go. See you next time. Yeah. I'm like, that's the way to do it. You get paid, see your family for a little bit, and... You're off on your next adventure. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's a pretty... Inter that's interesting. Like, why they... That's probably why they got Kirdula or how they got him. Mm -hmm. Because I think he was probably a, a, a named actor. Like, a pretty big actor. At this when point. did 2001 come out? 69. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then... He was probably a name. Yeah. And, you know... I, I mean, I he know. still is. Oh, yeah, he still is. But I don't know how big... Because I don't think 2001 was a giant hit when it came out. It was critical, but I don't think he made a lot of money. But, you know, I assume he'd be a name. Yeah, I mean, for um, Phyllis, they originally wanted Gilda Radner to be that character. That. Yeah. And, you know, with her commitment to SNL, she had to drop out like a month before her shooting started. So that would have been a very different movie with Gilda Radner. Just a little bit. I mean, I absolutely love her. She's like one of my favorite female comedians. I love going back and watching like old SNL, her and Bill Murray. Her alone as, you know, Rosanna Dana. I mean, just great, you know, bits. But, you know, Andrea Martin really sells, like, the character of Phyllis. And I, I need to watch the remake because I guess she makes an appearance in the remake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she is... God, is she the, the new den mother in the remake, I think? I haven't seen it. So, it's been so long. We might, have to, we might have to rewatch it. 
Oh, we'll watch it together. It'll be fun. Yeah, because I, I know that I read somewhere it was between her and Margot Kidder to come back, and Andrea took the role. So mm. we could have, you know, seen Lois Lane come back as the den mother. That would have been weird because yeah. Margot Kidder got a little um, out there in yeah. her later years, but, you know, still would have been good. Yeah. But that's, um, that's kind of interesting. So this movie is uh, very slow but i like it yeah that's why i liked it it's just it was a little slow paced for me Mm -hmm. but i did enjoy it um doing research you know finding out who else enjoyed it kind of you know surprised me uh steve martin's a huge fan of this movie i guess when he was doing uh roxanne uh what's her name (laughs) olivia hussey i guess she was going for the role of Roxanne and they they met each other her and Steve Martin and he told her you know I'm a huge fan of Black Christmas and at the time he'd seen it like 27 times and it's just like yeah yeah, that that's a fan right there oh yeah well that's the crazy thing about this movie so this movie is was actually like pretty successful when it came out and I think that's because you know there wasn't so many films like it Mm -mm. at the time uh, because if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I actually have how much this made when it got released. I think I have that in my notes. Yeah. I, Worldwide gross is four million dollars. Yeah, and this cost six hundred grand. To yeah. Make. So it was a big, big hit, and you know, worldwide gross back then was America and England. Mm-hmm. And. But I mean, it it even you know got to a lot of famous people like Steve Martin. There's rumors that this was one of Elvis's favorite movies. One that surprised me. Yeah, and it was, I guess, a, a tradition for him, you know, up until his death, that he would watch this every Christmas. So it's just like it made a huge impact on the film universe. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this movie directly influenced uh, Halloween. It direct, And by that extension, it is a direct influence for Friday the 13th. Elm Street. When a Stranger Spring. Calls. When a Stranger Calls. That's a big one. Yeah, I had to do my research because I love the When a Stranger Calls uh, remake that came out probably around 2006, th- that time frame. Probably something like that, yeah. I haven't seen the original or the one after that. So I, I wanted to go back, you know, because I- what I loved in this movie was, you know, the calls coming from inside the house. The calls coming from inside the house. It gives me the chills anytime you hear that in a movie, just like worst you know case scenario that you can get so, so you're telling me i'm gonna have to start calling you from like the upstairs line and you know so to try and freak you out on halloween i mean we'd have to get an upstairs first if you want to sit on the roof and give me a call be my guest uh good old californian ranch style homes <sighs> but yeah that that was one of my favorite parts of the movie what drove me crazy was when um i think what's his name lieutenant or sergeant nash mm-hmm. calls the house and he's you know talking to her and I need you to listen to me, no questions, walk out the front door, that's it. And what does she do? She's screaming for her friends, she runs to the basement, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, every horror movie, you don't listen or you don't rationalize, you do the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, that's that's every horror movie. It goes back to Scream. There's always some girl with the big tits that goes running up the stairs instead of out the front door. And, and this is where that yeah, came from. Yeah, it did. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it's really weird because I know for most of our other movies we have a lot to talk about, but this movie's pretty... I mean, 
basic isn't the word, but there's not a lot of crazy stuff going on. But there are some weird themes going on here. Mm-hmm. Is there any themes you picked up on? No. Why don't you tell me some of yours and I'll, th- I'll see if they match some of mine. Okay. Because this is your movie. This has been a part of your life longer than it's been a part of mine. I'm still kind of trying to figure like it out. you say it's like, oh, it's been a part of your life longer than me. I'm like, I think I've seen this movie like three or four times in the six years I've known it existed. So. But, M- more than my once. I guess. Um, but I think there's a huge theme of like women and empowerment going yeah. on here uh, with chest she's taking you know control of her body by getting the abortion Mm -hmm. uh the women we do see they're you know they're funny they have a life you know um they're strong women yeah barb is you know a party animal and she's not ashamed of it at all and she's an alpha she'll fight anybody you know she'll talk back to the cop mr fellatio which was a hilarious part Uh, especially when the, the the detective reads the paper and he's just like what? I don't get what you mean. It means this and him and John Saxon are just dying. It was, a gr- it was a great part. But yeah, so I think there's a huge theme of like women and empowerment and, and like sexual empowerment going on here. Um, which I think is a theme that goes on a lot in in horror movies. Yeah, because there's always a final girl. Yeah, I mean, Even... granted there's a whole thing about the the really weird like um Oh, you're all, you'll only survive if you're a virgin and mm-hmm. virtuous and all this other stuff. But, you know, the whole thing with this John Carpenter's like, oh, of course the, the virgin girl survived because she's not looking to get some ass. Like, and, she's paying attention. And this one kind of flips the script because, you know, she's pregnant at the time and she thinks she's killed the killer, which she didn't. But yeah, that, that's the hashtag spoiler for a 50-something-year-old movie. Yeah. Um, so she thinks she kills the killer by killing Peter. But at the end of the movie, you know, the camera drifts through the house. We hear Billy, he's, like, breathing or talking, mm-hmm. right? As we go up into the attic, and the attic light, like, turns on, and we see, um, Claire's body. They're still wrapped in the, like, bag that she was killed in. And we're just like, oh, Billy's still up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we pan back out from the house, and it's... Just as creepy as when we go in. You know what? So, because uh, Bob Clark bounced around the idea of making a sequel to this movie, but he never, like, really wanted to make one. It doesn't need a sequel. It doesn't, but would you like to hear what the concept was? Because, sure. Because uh, the only reason he came up with this was because John Carpenter was a huge fan of the film and mm-hmm. asked him, well, what do you think would, would make a good sequel to this? And he was like, well, I thought about it, and this was kind of the only thing I thought would go well, was Billy gets caught, you know, and then he's uh, goes off to a mental asylum, but he's there for a year, and then he escapes, like, next fall, and goes back to the sorority house, and kills the, you know, goes on his killing spree again. That's sounding very familiar. You want to know what uh, day he would come back to the house? Would it happen to be October 31st? It would have been. It would have been Halloween. He told this to John Carpenter, and then John Carpenter was like, oh, wow, you know, you mind if I write a script for that? And they were, and he was like, oh, go for it. And then that's the precipice for Halloween. I know I already said it was a influence for Halloween, but no, it was like the reason for Halloween. I'll still take Halloween. Halloween's I, one of my absolute favorites. I think, yeah, this is probably a little bit, um, it's definitely got a, a lot, uh, 
Halloween has a lot more watchability than mm -hmm. Black Christmas. Black Christmas is, it's slow. It has a very methodical pace. The scare, there's no gore. The scares are kind of, uh, they're good, but they're more like you know unnerving. And it, but it's still it's still a good movie. Like it's good movie is very good. There's no real jump scares. We only get one really when uh, the search party they come up to the back window of the sorority house. And, and they scare her when she's, like, washing her hands. But that's about it. We don't have a lot of jump scares with the killer. Every time we encounter a kill, you know, we already have warning. We've Like, we see him in the closet in Claire's room. We see him in the attic with Mrs. Mack. So there's always, you know, an alert before the kill. Yeah, it, it feels like this. Um, it There's a lot more of a drama to this than there is a horror aspect mm -hmm. to this. Which I think works in its favor. And, it, and it's a good movie. It's slow-paced, you know, it takes a while to kind of build up momentum, but it's good. Yeah. Is there anything you want to, you know, say about the movie before we kind of wrap it on up? Mm, I'd watch it again. You'd watch it again? I'd watch it again. And after, you know, knowing a little bit about it, thinking about it for a minute, you'd watch it again? Yeah, I'd watch it again, you know, with the knowledge that I have now, go back and observe things and see what I missed the first round. Okay. Actually, on that note... So I think last month I did the I asked you the question what was your favorite movie mm -hmm. you had watched up to this point and if I'm or the favorite one of my picks you watched up to this point yeah and I think it came down to One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and Jacob's Ladder I believe so I think for a while it was Jacob's Ladder and then it switched to One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest because yeah. you know gotta love Nicholson gotta love Jack so you want to do that again this month well I'd like to do that again this month. But I'd like to ask you, since, you know, you said Black Christmas, you'd rewatch it again. Mm -hmm. Discluding Black Christmas, because, you know, we're in December. Yeah. The other movies we had watched at this point, which film would you definitely go back and give a rewatch if you had to recommend one? Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's, oh, that was a fast one. Uh, why Jacob's Ladder? If you don't mind. It's psychological. I love those kind of movies where... It just keeps you on the edge of your seat thinking, trying to figure out the, the plot, the ending. So I really enjoyed sitting there and trying to figure out this mystery and figure out what the monsters were. Uh, well, if anybody would like to hear us talk about Boo's favorite rewatchable film, uh, go see Jacob's Ladder. It's a really good movie, and it's celebrating its 30th anniversary. It, so it deserves a watch. It does. Well, Boo, I think that kind of rounds us out for this little episode of the Film Club. Anything you want to plug, tell people about? Should I spoil next week's episode, or should I keep that a secret? I think next week's episode is going to be a little bit fun, because I know it's one of your favorites, and I'm kind of lukewarm on it, but I will say it's been a long time since I've seen it. But you're always lukewarm about my picks. Hey, I, was, I wasn't lukewarm about, you know, Toy Story Bull or Toy Story. I thought Toy Story was fun. I enjoyed Toy Story. Right. I was surprised. I thought you were going to give me a lot more crap than you did. I don't, I don't know why people think I'm pretentious. Oh, boy. That's a that's a, another conversation for another day. Uh, I guess. So what's next week's episode? Next week is a Becky's Blockbuster, and we are going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Edward Scissorhands by Tim Burton. Uh, and for those who don't know, I am not the biggest Tim Burton fan, uh, for reasons that will become apparent next week. And Spoiler, they're pretentious reasons. They're not pretentious reasons. But um, Edward Scissorhands, I've seen it once before this, and that was many, 
years ago, so it's going to be interesting giving it a watch. It's going to get deep. It will get deep. But anything else we want to plug? Yeah, if you want to follow us on social media, see our behind the scenes and get spoilers of episodes to come, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. And if you want to listen to us on other platforms, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, and a, a ton more that I can't even think of at the moment. Yep, and if you want to listen to more of me talk about movies, I'm also on not only the Film Club podcast, I'm on the Double Feature podcast and Too Obscure for TV podcast. You can watch you can watch or listen to both of those on the YouTube channel In the Frame or also on Anchor FM, Google Podcast, Spotify, and so on and so forth. You can follow that on the Instagram page, Double Feature underscore podcast. Well, boo. I uh I got my my one giant plug in for the movie for the podcast I do by the way send me presents and don't uh, send them presents and uh, that's about it for this week we'll see you next week at the film club see you next week at the film club peace.